You are now listening to the Hot Take Podcast. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Josh Daddy. Time to make it hot. Welcome in to the Hot Take Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Daly. And as always, it's Mr. Steve Taroni. How are you, sir? Hey, man. Yeah, excited to uh, get into it tonight. Um, obviously, some crazy news happened today. Um, and I mean, this is the time of year where news like this comes out that is you know, drastically impacting uh, what we're doing here in fantasy. So you know, we have to adjust here and uh, keep it going, but I'm excited for our guest. I'm excited to talk some running backs today. Um, so it should be a great show. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. We are here and we are going to be breaking it all down for you guys. Uh, of course, we are referring to the big Cam Akers news that dropped, uh, referring to his Achilles injury. And our guest, as Stephen mentioned here, uh, Mr. Jack Miller joining us today of Establish the Run and NBC Sports Edge. Uh, you can find him at JackMiller02 on Twitter, and he is kind enough to join the Hot Take podcast with us here. Jack, thanks for coming on, brother. Of course. Thank you for having me on. Uh, kind of, you know, not a great day with the Acres news, but excited to uh, break that down with you guys and then get into some running back talk um over the rest of the show yeah yeah the uh the news was definitely i think our biggest you know our biggest bullet i think in the uh you know that people have had to dodge so far in this fantasy off season when would you agree oh for sure yeah i don't think i don't think anything else even comes close to to a first round running back um tearing his achilles especially especially with the rams like they don't really have anything anyone else right now besides Henderson. So it's kind of an interesting discussion as to what they're going to do from here. Yeah, hundred percent. And, you know, Stephen, we were talking about this, uh, texting about this a little bit earlier today, but uh, you know, obviously this is a, this is a, a situational improvement for Darrell Henderson. Um, you know, basically a guy that's, that was for sure going to get some passing down work, but now we're talking about a potentially increased workload. And, you know, I would love to hear kind of what you guys have seen. Have you in any of your either dynasty leagues or, you know, any, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, Scott Fishbowl, have either you guys uh, touch acres or, uh, Henderson, or have you guys seen any, any reactions? I'm in a dynasty league where I saw the, uh, the acre, the acres owner uh, sold today for someone who's in an obvious rebuild. Uh, so that was instantly kind of, you know, within an hour, we had a transaction get fired off in that league. Do you, any of you guys, uh, Stephen, I'll start with you. Uh, any of you guys see any moves today like that in your leagues? Yeah, well, not in my leagues in particular, but I am seeing all sorts of uh, movement for Daryl Henderson. Um, people are unloading cam acres right now. So um you know, in Dynasty, you know, I, I want to say like, you know, oh, it's a it's an overreaction or whatever. But no, I mean, you, you need to react to this. I mean, we've never seen a running back uh, come back from an Achilles tear. 
Um, I saw a good tweet from uh, Andy Singleton, actually, it's saying that this is going to be uh, an interesting experiment in medicine, modern medicine with the modern athlete, because um, we've never really seen a 22 year old running back uh, have this kind of injury. So, you know, for the reaction in Dynasty, I I'm not surprised. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when you're talking about guys, um, you know, that have suffered this injury previously and, you know, shout out to uh, Kyle underscore FF recon, you know, he had a tweet that uh, he was saying, you know, since uh, it's Marlon Mack day, he said, here's what I could find, you know, on the recent Achilles tears for running backs. And so we're going back here 10 seasons, you know, and there's been uh, 10, 11 seasons has basically been an Achilles injury, you know, an average of one per year. Uh, and this works out to having two running backs uh, ever come back to play the following season, uh, you know, six of them, you know, they were just out of the league after that. And, you know, it, the, he mentioned six of them had, you know, basically nearly a 200 touch season prior to that. So then you're talking about no, none of these backs, zero had more than 85 touches the, the next season. And when you're talking about these, these two that actually returned, uh, you know, you're talking about Brandon Oliver and Kendall Hunter. Uh, a little bit of throwback there. So it's wow, name drops. Yeah, these are these are guys that were underwhelming to say the least. So just absolutely devastating news. And you know, Jack, what uh, to kind of get into this? What does this mean? You know, to you? You know, looking at uh, Daryl Daryl Henderson's situation. Yeah. So Henderson's interesting now because. Like right now, it's literally just him in, in the backfield. They have Xavier Jones, um, they have Jake Funk, but they have no other running backs on the team right now who have ever contributed on an NFL level. And so I think the assumption and the rightful assumption is that they're going to bring someone in. Um, and so I think that's going to kind of be baked into his ADP because if Henderson was just the only guy there, he'd be a first-round pick. But I think his ADP is going to settle somewhere in the third to fifth round range. So he's already having a free agent signing or a trade um, partially accounted for in his ADP. And then Schefter tweeted today that they're not going to sign anyone right now. So I think what's going to happen there is, you know, they see who other teams cut during the, after the preseason or they maybe they look into trade options. But um for me, at least, I think Henderson, if he ends up, and I think he'll end up like third, fourth round, he's not going to be someone I'm targeting too heavily because I usually prefer the wide receivers in those range, in that range, sorry. But um, I do think from a positional point of view, like once you get past Swift, once you get past maybe Dobbins, Henderson is is right up there in terms of which running backs you take. It's just, I might not have that much of him because I prefer the wide receivers uh, going around that ADP. No, that's uh that's, that's a good point. I mean, you know, basically with uh, that, that type of situation, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking too, is it might be a camp cast off that we see kind of get, uh, you know, let go from another team and show up and, but yeah, I mean, you have to feel like this is kind of an incomplete backfield at the moment um, you know, there, there's already names being thrown around like Sony Michelle, who a lot of people already, we mentioned it last week, we had Scott Pianowski on, he mentioned Sony Michelle 
you know, as a cut candidate. And that wasn't the first time we met, we've mentioned that on the show, this being the third. So uh, a guy like Melvin Gordon, there's whispers, um, you know, that that late season DUI, we know that there is a suspension coming. Uh, I'm more, more personally inclined. I think we've talked about this on the show before, where I think Denver is actually going to kind of, you know, ride him into the ground with that, that one year remaining, but um, you know, he has been mentioned, his name's been thrown out there. Um, maybe one of the Texans, you know, camp cast offs, who knows? So I just don't see a scenario where they go in with Rex Burkhead, you know, Ingram, David Johnson, and Philip Lindsay, and, you know, keep all four. It just seems kind of crazy, but, um, but yeah, with, with the situation with uh, Jones there in LA, I mean, he was primarily a special teams guy. So, uh, it'll be, you know, a severe step up in workload for him. And he's, he's really going to have to do some impressing in camp to actually earn some, some snaps here, I feel like in the regular season. But, um, you know, when we talk about guys like this, you know, guys like Henderson and um, some of these guys that could be, you know, zero running back targets, um, you know, there's, there's this big talk. There's been a ton of talk, Jack, about, you know, the, uh, the RB dead zone. And, you know, I know you did some work on this uh, at ETR and, you know, I think in, in general, it's just kind of a, a fascinating topic because it seems like we always get some guys like this after that elite tier, um, you know, the, well, I should say the elite tier and that sub tier after uh, that secondary tier of, of running backs that end up going in the first couple, two, three rounds, you know, you get into this, uh, you know, murky, murky area. And I think the, the most interesting thing about this year is that, you know, this year, unlike, unlike others in the past is running backs still, you know, as historically being valued as highly as they have been really this year, we've seen a lot of ADP movement on that. So Jack, uh, you know, first I'll throw it to you kind of what's been your initial impression, like over the last couple months, uh, with kind of how the dead zone came about in the first place. And, and with some of these ADP movements recently, um, just kind of your observations and highlights. Yeah, so so I think the dead zone came about in the first place because we kind of get too confident about our projections in preseason and running backs after the first round or two are the position that we are worst at projecting. So, you know, there's guys like McCaffrey and Dalvin who we can very confidently say are going to get, you know, 300-plus touches if they're healthy. And then after that, you get into a group of guys who – you're kind of putting this workload on them, even if they haven't shown to be capable of that, or maybe their their role isn't as secure as we think it is. And so that's, I think, where the dead zone comes from is just this idea of projection error. Um, and yeah, we have seen ADP shift a bunch over the last um, over the last month or so. And it's kind of crazy because like this is normally a pretty dead period for fantasy football. Like you don't see much. ADP movement, but we have just seen a complete seismic change in how people are drafting. Um, and the one interesting thing to me is that for the most part, running backs in the first two rounds are going where they were. So like the top, you know, 10 or 15 guys are still going in the first two rounds. But then after that, every running back from round three onward is, is being pushed down. And so it's not just those prototypical dead zone guys in you know like low-end rb1s through mid rb3s that are being pushed down it's like every single running back after rb10 or rb15 is dropping and so ideally i think you would see just those 
RB2 and RB3 types dropping, and then the, the other guys would go where they were. And so we'd see a couple RB heavy rounds and then a super wide receiver heavy portion of the draft. And then you get back into those dead zone guys and kind of just merge them with those guys going in like round seven through 10. Um, because historically there, there isn't a huge difference between the RBs in rounds three through six and the ones in seven through 10. But we're seeing just everyone drop across the board. So I think how I would play it now is you just take those RBs in round seven through who were going around seven through 10. Now that they're going even later, you can just draft them even later. And they were good values before. So I think now they're, they're great values now that they're going later. Yeah. And with, you know, Daryl Henderson being one of those guys too, that we were just talking about uh, Steve, I'll ask you, cause I, I want to get your thoughts on Henderson as well. Uh, not only on Henderson, but kind of also how you've been kind of handling this, this running back dead zone situation as well. Yeah. I mean, it's so fitting that, you know, Henderson's a big topic of our show today. And then, you know, he falls kind of into that, that dead zone area. And Jack, you know, I'm just looking at your article here um, and just loving that T Higgins is the cover boy for it essentially. Um, And, you know, it's like, I couldn't fathom passing up on a T Higgins in that area to grab a running back. Now it's like, I have to make a decision. Is Daryl Henderson that guy? Um, we've already seen underdog, um, they tweeted out that his ADP was at like 120, something like that. It's all, all the way to 60. Um, I was in an underdog draft today and Henderson was drafted at the 507, I believe maybe it was 509. Wow. So it's already happening. Um, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that he could be an early fourth round pick by a month from now. That's where I'm projecting is like that early fourth round, maybe, hope maybe a a little bit later than that. Um, So it's very interesting. They will bring in somebody. I I think the the names like Sony Michelle, like, you know, a guy like teams are trying to dump, you know, a dump a player like a Melvin Gordon, maybe, Um, maybe they can get something from instead of cutting them outright. You know, that makes a lot of sense. Same thing with Houston, like you mentioned, Josh, but um, I think Daryl Henderson could be very good. I mean, we were drafting Cam Akers, the RB12 off the board, according to underdog ADP. Um, so Daryl Henderson looks to get all of this volume. Obviously, that looks a lot different if they bring in somebody, but um, he, you know, he did a lot with his touches last year, uh, weeks two through seven. He was an RB1 three times, and he was an RB2 one other game in that time. So um, it it kind of like that early season, you know, he had the reins when Cam Akers was out. And then we saw the volume swing in Cam Akers' favor when he was back. Um, you know, I, I think that Matthew Stafford does a lot for Henderson this year. Um, and, you know, it, Josh, if I told you that the RBs for the Lions outscored the, the, the Rams RBs last year, would you believe me? It just sounds weird. Only because I watched, yeah, only because I watched Matt Patricia and company just be as pathetic as possible. And, and like, really, you want to talk about establish the run, really establish (laughs) the run. Run Um, the damn ball, Matt Patricia. Hell yeah. No, but no, but you, you make, you make completely valid points and there's, there's a ton of good surrounding weapons. And then now you're adding Stafford. So yeah. Who's to say that, you know, these Memphis running backs like Antonio Gibson, I mean, it's just crazy because we thought Gibson last year was going to be like the the Daryl Henderson in, in Washington. And he ended up getting like, you know, all this running 
workload. So it, it was kind of weird. And then, you know, who's to say that's not going to happen for Henderson, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, you were, you were saying though, um, to continue on with Henderson, uh, you know, you were asking about the the difference in the the Lions and the Rams running backs. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, please expound on, on how the offense yeah, just, just to wrap up there. Yeah. The, the lions were in, in fancy points per game, 12th, uh, compared to Rams being 15th, uh, 19.9 compared to 18.1. Um, and you know, the Rams just had a down year in terms of converting in the red zone. Um, they actually got there almost four times a game, which is respectable, but they only converted a touchdown 57% of the time. Conversely, the Lions converted on touchdown 66% of time last year with Matty Stafford. I think if Matthew Stafford was like traded this week to the Rams, we'd be really excited about Stafford on the Rams in general. But I think we would also be very excited about Henderson and the outlook for him with Matthew Stafford as his quarterback. Um, you know, we know that Stafford use, utilizes the running back in the passing game. So, you know, I think that in the fifth round, I, I really would consider Henderson. Um, but but it, it is tough with all those great wide receivers right there. And that trade was what, in March? And it feels like it was like a year ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It really, <laughs> really come down to roster construction. If you like, because I think Henderson has more of a ceiling than some of those running backs right there. But, you know, it's like if you're going to just hammer the wide receiver early, um, I think that you can be okay with Daryl Henderson as your RB1. If you if you start like Kelsey, wide receiver, wide receiver, and then go, you know, some, you know, someone like Henderson, I, I think it's not a bad build. Dude, you're, you're reading my mind. I was just going to ask, uh, you know, you or Jack, either if either of you guys have started a, a draft with Kelsey and three wideouts. Uh, I would think I probably have, I don't have any particular ones in mind. Um, but I was on the, the good football show podcast earlier today. And this is like exactly what we were talking about because since running back ADPs are way down just across the board because you can get like these zero RB type guys later, I think it makes just like a full on zero RB build a lot more viable. Um, like, like, like you said, like Henderson, I think has a, a path to just like absolutely smashing if he gets um, like even a decent percentage of, of the touches in the Rams backfield, because it should be a pretty lucrative backfield uh, for fantasy points. But just when you're comparing it, see, he looks fine. But when you're looking at him versus the wide receivers, that's where I have more of a problem. But if you're at the point where you already have three three receivers in Kelsey, that's where he becomes more intriguing. Although I kind of do think Henderson's going to end up in like the fourth round. Um, I saw yeah. him go in the I saw him go in the third round today, and I think that's like definitely Ooh. aggressive aggressive. But like, oh man. I think I think especially the longer they go without signing someone and the more the Rams kind of trick us into thinking right it's, it's Henderson season um, <laughs> the, the more his ADP could rise and I think we could it could get to some pretty pretty uh, crazy heights so yeah, so Josh it, it, if I may real quick before you move on here I, I'd love to get our guests opinion play a little game real quick Oh, we love games. We love games. games. And then, you know, we, we love putting our guests on the spot. Why not? You know? Um, Okay. So this is an easy one. I'll toss this one out. Swift or Henderson. 
Swift for me. J.K. Dobbins or Henderson? Um, I think I'd still take Dobbins. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, I think I would too. And I think, but it is getting closer. Um, Miles Sanders or Daryl Henderson? Ooh, the hate on Sanders has gotten, it's gone so far. It is. It is bad. He, <laughs> he dropped into the fifth round sometimes on underdog. I, I would have to think about that one. That is about the area. Yeah, where, that's was, about where I expect him to end up, though. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I think I would still lean Sanders, but I can see where next week will be, you know, Henderson may have surpassed his ADP. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy to think about because, you know, like Henderson, sure, he has the upside, but he could just be a back-end RB2, and then Sanders – it, have we have have we seen a ceiling is that this is i feel like what the fantasy community is saying about miles sanders is like yeah we've seen it like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's hard to believe that we've already seen the best of miles sanders and his days are over i mean this dude was like a a hot dynasty commodity last year um you know this year not so much and it's it's crazy i mean we know how fickle the life of you know, running backs are, but, but yeah, man, I think, I think you found, I think you found the spot right there where he's, he's going to be teetering really soon. Um, but you know, you, you'd mentioned, uh, you were talking about the lions running backs and I know that we have a group of running backs that we kind of wanted to dig in on a little bit on. And, uh, well, just no coincidence. The first one on our list is one of those lions running backs and, uh, you already just threw them out in our game where I'm talking about swift you know, my Detroit lion, uh, you know, excited to see what a, what a real coaching staff can actually do with, with Swift. It would be pretty exciting to see him be utilized in uh, a way that we, we know he can be, uh, and I'll, and I'll throw it to you first, Jack, uh, cause you're the guest. What, uh, what would you tell anyone that's considering, you know, doing one of the strategies we just mentioned, maybe they go, you know, real wide receiver heavy, or, you know, they're just kind of getting into the dead zone. Anyone that's considering drafting DeAndre Swift, what would you tell that fantasy owner? Yeah. So uh, it's kind of the same. I feel like I'm just like repeating myself at this point, but like, I like Swift relative to the running backs. It's just so hard with the receivers also going there, but with how ADP is shifting and, and because Swift is like falling into the fourth round, sometimes I think like he is, truly someone that I like I think he's a fantastic pass catcher he was uh efficient last year he had a good prospect profile coming out of Georgia I think he has just so many indicators going for him and and showing that like a year or two from now he could be a first or second round fantasy pick so he is legitimately someone where if I'm just trying to get I I just I want to get some exposure to Swift just like straight up and then if he starts to fall, that's where if he starts to go in like the fourth round more consistently, that's the point where like he would actually become someone who becomes more of a priority for me because I think the pass catching is going to be there. Um, a lot of people are concerned about Jamal Williams and the, the comments that the coaching staff made earlier this offseason. But I think Williams is just going to be more of the between the tackles guy. And that's kind of what Anthony Lynn said. He said that it's like a thunder and lightning type duo where Williams is more the thunder and Swift is the lightning. But I think Swift is going to get 
his share of between the tackles carries because he showed he could do that last year. And then this is a team that does not have any wide receivers. They have Hawkinson. Um, but I think it's pretty much just going to be Hawkinson and Swift getting a bunch of targets. And then Swift will get enough rushing production uh, where he can pay off that ADP and, and potentially smash. Yeah, I mean, their receiving core is pretty dreadful. And I, I won't spend too long on Swift before we move on. But, you know, the, the thing with Anthony Lynn, I mean, he's coming in. He's supposed to be calling the plays. Um, I mean, he's his teams have been woefully bad as far as you know like an execution standpoint and just game plan and uh in just kind of the scheme and, and everything the way that uh, they've been so run heavy but uh although that's really bad for winning nfl games you can use it to win fantasy games uh you know in swift's favor here so i i do expect them to be pretty run heavy so a lot of the talk about jamal williams you know i know this this has been beat to death, but, uh, you know, I'm in the camp that I think a lot of that talk is a little overblown with the a back B back stuff. I mean, I think both of these guys are, you know, set up in a, in a prime spot with the, the just kind of the game script that Anthony Lynn likes to run. So, um, you know, completely agree with your points too. Um, Steve, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you, um, for the next guy here on the list, which is Travis ETN. Now I, I wasn't able to get ETN in any of my dynasty leagues, uh, I wasn't able to get him in, you know, Scott Fishbowl, although I did consider it at one point. Um, what are your thoughts on ETN as far as when we get into this range and um, maybe with a zero RB build or something like that? What uh, what are your thoughts on ETN? Just want to say real quick on Swift. In the PPR league, he's a no-brainer. I mean, you shouldn't even think about Swift or like, oh, should I? No, just hit, hit the draft button. I mean, he's going to get more than 57 targets, which he got last year. I mean, it's just he's going to be one of the better pass catching running backs in the league um, when it comes to DeAndre Swift. Um, Etienne, another great pass catcher. And, you know, the excitement there is they went and got the running back for Trevor Lawrence, who, Josh, you know, I mean, we're both Trevor Lawrence fans right now. We, oh yeah, you know, Urban Meyer is like this big question mark and it like, I, it could easily be like a Matt Nagy situation where he like just wants to be the smartest guy and does all these weird creative things, quote unquote creative. Um, but ETN, you know, as you know, I think James Robinson is getting a lot of, it's not really hype. Like it's like just people are just kind of like, it's almost hate on ETN. It's like, hey, Robinson, don't forget. I think ETN is going to shine in the pass catching role immediately. Um, and by the end of the year, he's going to be getting majority of the snaps. Um, they're going to pass the ball a lot. So James Robinson isn't going to get on the field on much of those plays. Um, he did last year by proxy, you know, he had to, but it's going to be ETN in, in a lot of those situations. Um, so I, I think he possesses a, a safe floor with that, with the pass catching. Yeah, I, I completely agree, my brother. So, well, let's, uh, go ahead and move on to our next running back of conversation here which is the one and only kareem hunt a dude that absolutely exploded on the scene one of my uh most famous you know dynasty you know pride and joy picks that i had back in 2016 i believe it was when we took kareem hunt does andy reed running backs you guys know i love him uh kareem hunt though <laughs> finds himself is like the best running back duo now as like the robin to nick chubb's batman uh so I mean, I still, I still like Kareem Hunt. Um, you know, you're just talking about, you know, in PPR leagues. I mean, he's a, 
he's a guy that's just proven to be a good PPR asset as well. Jack, I'll throw it to you first. I know you like Kareem Hunt. What uh, what are your kind of initial expectations for him in 2021? Okay, so at this point, I think Hunt kind of is what he is, and we're just going to see more of the same of what we saw last year where he gets those receiving touches, and then it's a great offense. They have one of the best offensive lines in the league, so you can expect his touches to be more valuable than than most guys. And he was flex viable last year, even when Nick Chubb was healthy, and then he has game-breaking upside if something were to happen to Chubb. And now his ADP on underdog is drifting into, like, the seventh round. So I think earlier this offseason when he was, like, a fifth-round pick consistently – it was more difficult to get on board. But now at the depressed ADP, I think he's kind of like your picturesque zero RB guy where he he has a flex role with Nick Chubb in front of him, and then he's a top five or ten running back if something happens to Chubb. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, just kind of the, uh, you know, my expectation is, like you said, more of the same. And it's just, it's such a potent backfield. And I think last year going in, we were, we didn't really know what Kevin Stefanski was going to bring to Cleveland. If he was just kind of running the ball a lot in Minnesota uh, because of Mike Zimmer wanting to do so. But I mean, I think he proved last year that, you know, this offense can support two very relevant fantasy backs. And uh, Steve, what uh, I know, didn't you take Kareem Hunt in Scott Fishbowl? I did not. I don't have a lot of hunt shares, uh, to be honest. Um, and you know, it really just goes back to the dead zone sort of thing, you know, and it really boils down to that, you know, that build that you want to create or that I have come to create this year and in the past. Um, and by the way, guys, cream hunt, ADP on underdog 69. Nice. Nice. Um, and I'm, I'm saying in this range, there's a lot of just, you know, it, it, we're, we're going to sound like broken records, but there's a lot of great receivers in this range um, that it, it would be kind of foolish to pass up. The best case scenario for Kareem Hunt is Nick Chubb gets hurt um, for fantasy purposes. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be tough to, to take him in that spot for me, but, you know, I, I really do like this offense. It's run first. And if any, you know, offense can support two running backs for fantasy it is this type of offense um so it's just his upside is so capped and it's kind of like how people thought about nick chubb of last year thinking that his upside is capped but you know he kind of i think put that to rest or he should have at least um so i'm okay with with hunting this range depending on your build um you know if you go obviously so heavy early on and you know you're like okay i want to i really want to you know get depth at running back he's definitely a good piece yeah, and I'm I don't even know why I asked. I knew you drafted Chubb. We both yes. did. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know why to big, but I was, yeah, like well, and I was considering drafting Hunt with Chubb. And I really don't mind that build in an underdog or in a situation like Scotty Fishbowl, which almost tends to be like a best ball kind of thing where you you know you're really playing on that weekly, like you need those boom weeks. And I think that Hunt and Chubb together are gonna be you know, in, interesting pieces. So if you want to do that in underdog, I have no, I have no qualms with that. Yeah. They're, they're definitely a formidable duo, but that's uh, you know, that's the thing with hunt is, you know, the upside is capped unless you do get, 
you know, uh, an injury situation with Chubb and then you're, you're kind of free rolling a, a you know, extremely valuable dude. That's just going to be, you know, easily a top 10 running back, but uh, moving on to the last running back here that we wanted to hit on uh, looking at Trace Evans in, in Arizona. Uh, of course they did bring in James Connor, but uh, kind of some interesting stuff uh, that JJ Zacharyson was uh, pulling up through his uh, late round pod and he'd kind of mentioned that, you know, historically these running backs, when we see uh, kind of a, a duo going and getting drafted where the RB1 is kind of, you know, getting drafted a lot more ahead of the other secondary back, uh, though, you know, that those guys are the ones that tend to break out. And, you know, there's some very, very solid points, uh, you know, with that. And, you know, he kind of was referencing how, you know, some of the other qualifications in his study you know just all kind of were pointing towards uh chase Edmonds being a dude that you know i mean wheels up so it it makes sense uh, he's a guy that i was i was kind of liking here uh before we got into the season uh you know r- really don't have much uh, exposure to chase Edmonds myself but uh steven what are your thoughts on Edmonds? i know you were kind of uh looking at Connor there, uh, in the fishbowl. I do remember that. And, you know, kind of what are your, well, just like the whole Arizona offense in general. Yeah. I think I'm coming around on Chase Edmonds as a ceiling play, because if we're looking at ADP Kareem hunt there, that 69, well, Chase Edmonds is at 78. Um, so assuming Nick Chubb plays every game, your ceiling is capped if you're Kareem hunt, but Chase Edmonds has this ceiling that we really don't know. And, Anyone who's talking about size or he's just a satellite back, see Aaron Jones. They're the same size. They can do similar things. And I'm not saying he's Aaron Jones, but what if he is? So his, we could be looking next, you know, we won at Chase Edmonds in fantasy, right? Like for so long. And now he's like, what, just an eighth around throwaway. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, the opportunity to capitalize on that is definitely still there, though. Um, and we talked last week, uh, you know, with Scott Pianowski a little bit about how, you know, there's still uh, there's still a little bit of an edge. And he's a guy that I can kind of see that ADP uh, maybe rising up. So, you know, forecasting that, uh, which we've been, yeah, you know, we've been pretty good at, uh, at kind of pointing some of these guys out. Uh, Edmonds definitely fits the bill as a guy that I think is, uh, you know, is going to kind of move up draft boards the closer we get here to week one. Uh, Jack, your thoughts on Edmonds? Yeah, uh, I was going to mention that JJ Zacharyson article, if no one else did, because that I thought that was an awesome article and it did help to change my opinion on Edmonds a little bit. Um, and then there's also been some positive news out of Arizona about how they see him taking on a much larger role than last year. So I'm kind of in the same boat as Steve, where I was kind of more on the Connor train earlier this offseason, you know, like not in a vacuum, I would, I would have taken Edmund straight up, but when you can get Connor to a three, four round discount, that was more appealing to me. But now that A, Edmonds is going later, uh, B, this, this new research from JJ has been presented, and then also the positive reports, um, I think Edmonds becomes a really intriguing pick uh, in the seventh round. Yeah, no doubt. And, and and I'm team Connor. I drafted him in the fishbowl and I think he can get 200 carries. You know, I'm pretty confident in that because I think he is taking the Kenyan Drake role. Um, but, you know, I think this is a situation I don't really condone 
uh, getting the handcuff, but they're both at such good values. This offense is so good. Um, you're going to want pieces of the Cardinals offense and you'll find out week one, week two, what they're doing. And, you know, you can figure that out and move on, but I think it's worth it at that point because Connor, we saw him be productive last year. It's not like he just fell off completely and he's going to have an opportunity. So this is a situation where I think you're okay taking both. Yeah. And, you know, we, we were talking about Henderson earlier and some of the supporting weapons that the Rams have, you know, the Cardinals are starting to build uh, a decent stable of supporting weapons there. I mean, you know, basically when you have new Hopkins, uh, you know, it's, the defenses are going to pretty much, uh, you know, pretty much focus in. And then you have a guy like Kyler that can just, you know, make it hell to plan a defensive scheme. So that's, uh, that's something that I think definitely plays to Edmonds advantage as well. So again, wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of creeping up uh, on the ADP charts here. But, uh, you know, one thing that we, we've mentioned kind of how some of these running backs in the dead zone have been falling and some of that uh, residual ADP of the wide receivers now is rising as a result. So uh, we just kind of touched on it briefly last week. I feel like we talk about Mike Williams every week, but he was a great example of a guy uh, like on underdog, for example, uh, who's just been kind of shooting up some of the best ball draft boards. And he, he is definitely kind of a poster child of, the, of this wide receiver grouping. But, you know, Jack, you kind of mentioned, you know, you guys, you, you and Steve, you're just talking about like the T Higgins example. Um, I, I think that's when fantasy owners come to this, come to this spot in the draft. I mean, it just kind of makes sense. Uh, are there any guys out of that group of wide receivers, you know, besides a T Higgins? I know I have a couple of favorites, but you know, uh, Steve, I'll, I'll throw it to you first. Who are kind of your, some of your favorite receivers that you're opting to go and, and take over some of these running backs that we were uh, talking about in the dead zone there. Higgins is definitely becoming my favorite, especially because Jamar Chase is going at ahead of him right now. Right. Uh, we've seen Higgins do it already. And, you know, he's, he's the one right there. It, I mean, you know, it, it's going to be so one, a one B that, you know, he, he's just, but he's has the touchdown uh, upside that I really like. Um, and then Kenny Galladay, he wide receiver one money, you, you know, you're scared of the giants offense, but they're going to funnel targets to Galladay and we've seen him be great too uh, for fantasy. So he's really falling to a great spot there. Yeah. The, uh, there's just, there's just a ton of guys over in this area that, you know, you mentioned the Cincinnati receivers. I mean, there's just, there's so many guys in here when you're sifting through this pile that, that they can give you, you know, we're talking about best ball, you very useful best ball weeks. Whereas, you know, the, the workloads for a running back and the volatility of, of taking a running back, you know, with this area, I mean, if you're going to use the draft capital, you probably want a guy that, you know, for sure, that you're going to be able to get, you know, at least, you know, six, seven, eight weeks of, of solid production from, uh, you know, Jack, is there any guys in that, in that area that you like better than others? Yeah. So you guys both mentioned Higgins, but uh, I'm going to just plug him again because he is probably like my number one favorite value this year. He was great last year as a rookie, even though Burrow missed the last six games when Burrow was healthy and Higgins was healthy too, because Higgins didn't really play week one, but when they were both healthy, he was averaging like seven, eight targets and more than a hundred air yards per game. He was a fringe top 24 wide receiver on a per game basis last year. And he, and that was as a rookie. And now he's going as the wide receiver 24. So Higgins is the one guy who I'm 
a huge proponent of. And then going a little bit earlier, I think that whole tier of like Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, CD, McLaurin, A-Rob, Cooper, like those guys are are as close to bulletproof as you can get. Um, and then I've always been a DJ Moore fan. I think he could be among the tops in the league in receiving yards this year. Um, he's consistently been like a 1,200-yard guy, and I don't really see why, why that would change this year. So those are some names that I uh, particularly like this year. Yeah, I mean, all, all those guys are very intriguing. And, I mean, you can, you can make a case for any of those guys, and it all, it all just kind of makes sense. So it's, you know, a strategy where, you know, if you're just kind of looking at the way you're, you're building your teams, I mean, these guys are going to be in the lineup you know, talking about Higgins and guys like that, they're, they're just going to be in your lineup more consistently, even in like a season long, you know, if you're doing managed leagues, those are guys that you're probably just going to keep in there no matter what the matchup is. I mean, I think Higgins kind of proved last year, even as a rookie, you know, that he was somewhat matchup proof, um, you know, not in you're adding a guy like Chase, obviously. So I feel like when you have three legit receiving options like that, I mean, sky's the limit on that offense. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what Cincinnati can do. Um, well, guys, I, I feel like we, we really hit on a, on a bunch of guys um, and really went kind of quick. Um, so Jack, I'm going to throw it to you real quick because usually it was something that we do at the beginning of each show. We usually ask uh, how you got started into playing fantasy, but um, I'm going to throw it to you, man. What kind of got you into fantasy football and, and like, how old were you when you got started? Yeah. So I've been doing, I've been playing fantasy since I have to think, I would say like 2010, 2011, my first year was the Arian Foster, Michael Vick year. Um, I think, oh, okay. that, might, I think that might've been 2010. So I guess this will be my 10th or 11th year. Um, and I, I started playing when I was, I'm only, I'm still in college. So I started playing when I was super young. Um, and it, so I kind of started playing fantasy before I actually like had an NFL team I was a fan of. And so just kind of became more of a, a fantasy guy than an actual NFL fan. And so it's, it's been that way ever since. That's just super remarkable that, you know, that's where we are is, fantasy's popularity has just exploded, you know, since the late 2000s, you know, and I mean, you said it best, you know, like you're, you're more of a fantasy guy than you, than you have like your own, you know, your own home team that you root for. So you're, you're rooting for your own guys, man. And I love that. So, and Jack, I know you're working on some stuff for, um, you know, ETR and also NBC sports edge, you know, you mentioned uh, the pod with Denny friend of the show, Denny Carter, also in my spinal tap, Scott Fishbowl, uh, division. Um, Den Denny may or may not have, have timed out on a pick. I'm totally, I'm totally putting Denny on blast. Um, <laughs> Dude's so... at the beach, man. Leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, we've been, no, we've been seeing the photos and, uh, and, you know, making fun of Denny in the chat. I know um, you were digging the frisbee Denny. toss, bro. Yeah, oh, well, of course, of I'm course. Jealous. I'm jealous. I wish, wish I was there now. Oh yeah, no <laughs> doubt. No, we, uh, we have nothing but love for Denny. We have to make fun of him on the show. Um, but, you know, I wanted to, wanted to just encourage people to, uh, to check out a good football show. Um, and Jack, tell, tell everybody what you're working on and where they can find you on Twitter, if you can give them a quick reminder. 
Yeah, so I'm doing some stuff for NBC Sports Edge and ETR this offseason. Uh, next few weeks, I'm going to have a decent amount of articles out for NBC, doing some team previews, doing some best ball stuff. And then I should be doing some more best ball stuff for ETR as well as some prop betting type content. So uh, I guess guess that's what you can expect from me the rest of the offseason. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for having me on. This was This was a good time. Yeah, happy happy to have you on. Uh, Mr. Taroni, any final thoughts here before we sign off, sir? Man, I'm just so happy we had our guest on Jack Miller to talk about T. Higgins, man. That was that was Absolutely. a pleasure. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And honestly, organic organically tonight, I found my team name for this year in the bro down, Josh. Oh, I love it. I love it. Do, are you gonna reveal now or are, am I gonna have to wait for it? Yeah, man, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to let you know I'm drafting T. Higgins, so don't take him. That would be very rude. And okay. the team name is going to be Sippin' Tea. Oh, and I like it. It's going to be it. the frog you know, meme with T. Higgins' face on it, and I'm going to be Sippin' Tea all year. I'm, I'm <laughs> absolutely just in love with that idea, um, especially as someone who, re- you know, religiously, I would say, uh, sips sweet tea. Uh, <laughs> yes look, looking forward looking forward to my vacation and and going you know down south a little and then uh gonna be able to hit up uh some sweet tea probably a little more easily than i would around here in michigan where i live now but um but yeah just real quick uh final shot here you know jack you just mentioned about you're gonna be working on some some best ball stuff wanted to um you know encourage you guys to check out uh establish the run uh they do have some pretty awesome best ball rankings on there but uh, we do appreciate you guys tuning in and listening in to the Hot Take Podcast here. Again, thank you to our guest, Jack Miller from ETR and NBC Sports Edge. And for my co-host, Mr. Stephen Taroni. Stephen, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter again, sir. Yeah, it's at FFProfessorST3. Uh, go over to uh, Rise or Fall. Uh, I just started over there. Actually, I was working on a best ball article today. And then the Cam Akers news uh, broke. So I just decided to make my debut article over there, uh, you know, a Daryl Henderson article pretty much. Uh, so go over there and check that out, riseofar.com. You can find me on Twitter at joshdally72. And for myself, Mr. Stephen Taroni, and sorry, our guest, Mr. Jack Miller, this has been the Hot Take Podcast.